0: Hey, this week, it's just you and me because, um, well, I thought it's about time we had a solo episode. I want to focus on something which I think is really important to anyone listening who is running their own business, because this relates to me and to you. We are self-employed people. We're consultants, trainers, coaches, facilitators, and we're making a living doing what we love to do, what people need us to do for them. So this week, I want to help you And this is also a reminder for me, and the theme for this week's episode is seven key things to generate leads for your business. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Mark. This is the Training Business Podcast, and it's the weekly show for self-employed consultants, trainers, coaches, people who make money from what they know. So the focus of this show is on the business of you making money from your programs, your workshops, courses, books, keynotes, and all the other stuff, which is fun, and of course, rewarding and i often think of the payoff as not just being monetary but also it adds value to what i do and how i feel about myself and um, there are times when i almost would do what i do for free but i'm not going to do that otherwise this would not be the business podcast or the business side of training so wherever you are on the journey of selling your expertise this is i like to think the show for you and as i've said to you many times before I've been a self-employed trainer, coach, published author, business owner, employed, self-employed, unemployed, and we've all together made lots of mistakes. And this show is about helping you to navigate that scene and to avoid mistakes if you can. And most weeks we have a single episode with guests, but this week, as I said before music, I want to hone in on something which I think is quite timely, which is to generate leads. And this is what I do, of course, as someone who provides sales training and coaching, predominantly coaching, to my clients. And I think it's something that everyone in self-employment land or people who describe themselves as self-employed need to be good at. If you own a business, you need to be able to generate leads for that business. So this week, I want to give you seven key things to help you generate leads for your business. The first thing we'll talk about is specializing in a specific niche. Number two is to develop a strong online presence. Number three is to offer workshops or webinars. Some may be free, some paid, ideally paid. Number four is to network at industry events and conferences. Number five is to leverage existing client relationships for referrals. Number six is to collaborate with other professionals or companies in related fields, perhaps not competing fields. And finally, to create and share valuable content. And we'll come to what kinds of content you could share. So let's begin with number one today, which is to specialize in a specific niche. We've all at some point been generalists. If you begin working as an associate for other people's businesses, you might find yourself doing a bit of this and a bit of that. However, there are strong indications that in the long term you are better off providing products, services in one form or another, but on a specific niche topic. Why? Well, think of it this way. When you think of a provider, an expert, an author on something, it's generally one thing that makes them come to mind. If there is one expert on, let's say, resilience or company onboarding, or leadership training, typically one person or more come to mind. But you'll think of what they know about a subject, usually one key subject. And the other reason, of course, in fact, there are many reasons, but one other reason for you to specialize is it's easier to convince people to hire you when they think you are the expert on one thing. I've had many times people say to me, what is the key thing that you do? I know you do this but what do you actually sell? What are you known for? What is the expertise that you lead with? And when you go to write stuff or speak about stuff on stage or on podcasts like this or webinars, people tune in because they believe you can help them. And that usually isn't one key thing. And I've been through times when I've specialized or over-specialized. And that's the other extreme where you know, it's a niche within a niche and um, there is no need for that. So you've got to find that right balance between not too specific, but specific enough, but also not too generalist. Otherwise, people aren't really clear what you do and for whom you do it. And if you listen to a recent episode from Jessica Chen, we have great episodes every week on the podcast. If this is your first time here, Jessica Chen, is a well-known instructor on LinkedIn Learning and she talks about why she specializes in the area that she does presentation skills but that's been done by many people but Jessica believes she's got one unique approach and the people that I've had on the show typically not always but typically lead with one key product or service that is their signature offering and then it's more Well, it's easier to differentiate yourself from other people. That's the first thing today. The second thing is to develop a strong online presence. Now, that does not mean having an amazing website. There are many people who would say, actually, you can have websites or a website, but no one knows it's there. So you have to think about the way that people find you, which could be through, let's say, webinars, using LinkedIn posts or articles guest posting on other people's websites. You're looking for a website with a high what's called domain ranking, and there's a way to do that by using tools like Ubersuggest. Find blogs that welcome posts from people like you. Um, Think of a regular cadence to post content online. I try and post LinkedIn content about three, four, sometimes five times a week, sometimes more. And think of the ways that that can be effective for you. Is it videos, you know, selfie stick videos? Is it formal studio videos? Are you sharing tools or techniques or tips? Is it just graphical or is it face-to-face? So you want to be known through formal channels and have people use that as a leverage point to find you elsewhere. So your own website might be one channel, but the way that people find the way to you could be through other people's channels or blogs or platforms. And Diana YK Chan and Lorraine Kay Lee, le- recent guests, talk about the importance of regular posting on LinkedIn. Sometimes you get lots of interaction and lots of likes and some shares, and sometimes you won't. The algorithm in LinkedIn defines and decides which content is useful to the audience on a given day for given reasons, many of which, of course, are unknown to people like me. There are so many different parameters that define which content rises to the top and is seen by people. And uh, the more that you post, seemingly, the more that people will find you. You will have lurkers who often don't interact with you on LinkedIn But they know you're there and they just might refer you or someday come knocking. So that's the second thing today, to develop a strong online presence. I'm not going to go into things like Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and so on, because they're all different. I think listening to this, I would be surprised if anyone listening to this does not have some kind of presence and profile on LinkedIn specifically. So find a way to create a cadence, a regular drumbeat, if you will, of content, or rather presence, whether it's online in LinkedIn or something else on other people's platforms that finds or generates a path to your door. And that, of course, means having a website, which is a different topic in itself. We had a previous episode on how to build a website that generates interesting um, interaction And one thing which will be the subject of a future episode of the podcast is how to use things like quizzes and um, tools which get people to answer questions because many people like quizzes. And then that generates a lead. You get their email address. And um, I will have an episode on a very specific platform, which I'm really, really getting excited about the more I use it. And um, I'll have an interview with someone from that platform in The coming weeks. Number three today is to offer free workshops or webinars. Now, that's a bit controversial. I've argued in the past against giving things away for free. You have to think about what that sends as a message to your audience. However, if you can't get in the door, sometimes it's best just to knock on the door with something that they cannot say no to. And many organizations want speakers at their Conferences, their company retreats, their company events, or there might be some association that's looking for a speaker to fill in a blank. And when you work with um, people, you know, they need to know you and have heard of you and perhaps have witnessed you before they can recommend you. So the more you're actually out there, giving people a taster of what you do through a free webinar or some sample webinar, maybe not the whole thing for free, but some sample, the more people get that feeling of what you stand for and how you sound and your competency and authority on subjects. So think of ways that you can give people that taster. You could have a wonderful website, wonderful products, but unless people have that, you know, oh, I know what she sounds like, that was great, or that Taster somewhere where they think, I wonder if we could bring her into our company. And um, I've had a few people on the show who've said that, that they just by performing something somewhere leads to a deeper conversation with a prospect who then wants to hire you for something bigger. So if you overdo this, of course, you um, are eating into your own paid time. So the one extreme is where you do nothing but free events and you earn nothing from that, you might generate leads. The other extreme is where you do no events and no one knows about you. So you have to find a happy medium between not giving away too much, but just enough to make people go, I want Dave, I want Hamid, I want Sheila, I want Lucy, I want Frederick. She's great. What she said really resonates with me. And I think she's the kind of person I want to introduce to my colleagues in our company. Okay, so think about the ways that you can get your tasters out there through online or face to face, on site events, workshops, webinars, etc. Number four today is about speaking. And that's something that, whenever I've done this, and not often enough is my answer, not often enough, but when I do it, I always come away with something. Someone stops me as I come off stage wants to take a picture with me, which is surprising, or they want my book signed, or they want some advice on something I've said, or they want me to answer some questions, or they want to introduce me, and, and, and. It's just amazing how people want that real experience of you live, in person. Now, I know we're all post-COVID, and there are times when you will feel, I don't want to travel, it's not worth my while, or I don't see it converting, but I found there is a correlation between showing up and being able to generate really fast leads. When you have people in a room and they're on that emotional roller coaster with you, they're listening to you, they're taking down notes, they're perhaps interacting with you off stage, and they have you live in person so they can ask you things, maybe take pictures of you. It's amazing how impactful that is. And people recall that more than they'll recall something only online. So every opportunity I get to appear somewhere, I'll take it. Sometimes they're paid, sometimes they're not. And just like networking or offering free workshops, it comes at a price. There is an opportunity cost because when you're doing this, you're not doing other things. But you've got to ask yourself, what is the thing that leads to bigger things? And I think networking, getting out to events, showing your face showing up, perhaps getting up on stage and speaking, whether it's on a stage or on your feet at some event, the more people see you in 3D, the more that leads to a real lasting understanding of what you do, for whom you do it, and why someone should hire you to do more of it, perhaps with them. And recently I had Grant Baldwin, Grant Baldwin on the show, and he runs a speakers agency, And there are hundreds out there, of course. And um, you can listen to that episode with Grant about the kinds of things to do to make yourself attractive to speaker bureaus or speaking agencies that will put you forward to either an event for a client of theirs or their own event. They're all the time planners, event planners who want someone credible to give their audience a 45-minute or an hour or half a day talk or seminar or workshop and that does a bunch of things. It's going to make you confident about your offering, it's going to give you some immediate feedback and also it's going to help you to establish your authority in the minds of people who could become buying customers. Sometimes you'll charge, you'll get three, four, five, ten grand, ten thousand, but that's typically only for advanced speakers, experienced ones and the more you do it, the more people come to you proactively. When you begin looking for, you know, speaker gigs, you might have to knock on a few doors and do more chasing. And there are some people, Bev Kay, Bev Kay, a recent guest, talked about how she spent literally years up on stage, traveling around the country in the US at every single event she could show up to, knowing that in the long term, this would pay off. And it has for her. Now, it's a lonely, sometimes lonely, long track, um, and not everything will lead to paid work, but most of the time it will lead to something, some kind of introduction, and I think it's worth it. So I know confidently for my area, which is sales training and sales coaching specifically, the more I'm on stage uh, meeting people face-to-face, the more I'm speaking, the more that pays off for me. Number five is to leverage existing client relationships for referrals. What does that mean? It means using whom you know to get more introductions to people you don't yet know. And the people who are most likely to refer you are probably the people who've worked with you, right? Think about that. Who are the people who have worked with you, really feel good about the work you've done for them, and would probably have no problem introducing you, referring you to other people just like them. And I emphasize just like them, because if you think of it, if someone is in a role, let's say they are an event planner, or a VP of um, vice vice president or VP of some area in a company, um, they're more likely to know people in their role, their peers, and therefore be able to get you in front of people like them, okay, in other companies. So it sometimes takes an act, act of courage, you need to pony up the courage, spark your courage and say, who are the people who are my number one fans, Um, happy clients who would more than likely be willing to refer me. Now, in a previous episode, I talked about the differences between referrals, references and recommendations. Um, Referrals or references are the lowest, which is just literally something said about you, which is nice. Referrals is where someone gets more involved in pointing you towards someone and perhaps introducing you. And recommendations are the highest. This is where you want someone to say, I'm going to actually lift that phone, make sure you get in touch, and really get involved in helping you to get that work, that result from that company or individual. So recommendations are the highest. You want someone to actively even proactively recommend you so who's going to do that well the people who have had worked with you or worked with you and feel strongly about helping you and the deeper emotional connection you have with happy past clients or current happy clients that's the time to strike don't be shy you need that person and if that person's felt that you've earned that trust they're going to want to reciprocate and help you in return and it's amazing the number of things that people have done for me when they're happy with me. they've I, I, Literally, they've made videos for me. They've written things for me. They've provided references for my book, um, nice things about my podcast. You know, it's just amazing what people do to pay you back. So think of how you can go about generating that network of referrals, recommendations, people who positively, actively, even proactively want to get you in the door of other companies. They want to help you and pay you back with kindness for what you've done for them. Use those relationships, build case studies, go onto their profile and say, could I have an introduction to someone there? Uh, Or how could I get in front of that person, get their advice, get their help and get going. Number six today is to collaborate with other professionals or companies in related fields. This is sometimes a tricky one because some people don't feel good about asking people they think are their competition. And I want to challenge you to change your minds about this because there are times when there are people who may not be direct competitors, or they are, but they're just not able to cover all the work that they are been given. It does happen. Some people literally are under siege from their website or from referrals, and they simply want to... Not lose the client, but pass the client temporarily even to someone that can cover the work and uh, without losing the business from them. And sometimes there are people who literally don't want the work because it's not their specialism. Which again, comes back to my first point today, which is the importance of having a specialism. And if you have a specialism, you stand out more and more people are willing to refer you to other people they know. Particularly if you do something that they don't do. And sometimes what you do actually is exactly the same, but there's a reason to align uh, yourself with them. For example, Olivia Schofield, a recent guest, talked about, well, in fact, from two years ago in December 21, Time Flies, talked about her collaboration with three other trainers. And every year they run what's called Spectacular Speaking in Berlin. Each of them is a, an expert on something like rhetoric or presentation skills and they're all the same in some respects as topics, but the way that each of those four people work together makes a distinct difference and impression for the audience. So even though Olivia and her colleagues are arguably all competing for the same business, they will have different appeals to different businesses for different reasons. So they all collaborate on stage, run an event as for facilitators and trainers, and um It works and they keep doing it year after year. So think of the kinds of relationships with other leadership trainers, other uh, workshop facilitators, other consultants in your area whom you could align yourself with. They may compete with you, they may not. It might be close, it might not be. And see if there's something you can come up with whereby if they cannot cover something they think of you, there might be some commission or some cut for the business. That's happened to me as well. I'm okay with that. And I can tell you, hand on heart, one particular recommendation um, where arguably the trainer in question was competing with me, but had an availability, gave me in the business field in the last couple of years, a significant amount of money. Because of that one phone call, that recommendation, um, I can say a huge chunk of business has come my way in the last two and a half years from that one trainer referring some people to me. So if, you, if you're if you doing this, there is give and take, right? You want to be giving someone something back. So I've used that as a chance to refer people to them. It's a two-way street. So think of professionals perhaps competing with you or non-competing professionals, consultants, trainers, coaches, facilitators, whom you could reach out to and say, look, can we cooperate in this area? I do it this way or I do this thing, but you do it differently. I wonder if there are people sometimes who ask you to do it and you don't do it that way. You could refer them to me or there's a topic that I, I do quite well and um, you don't. Perhaps you could refer any leads to me. The number of times I'm asked for something and I say, no, it's not my niche, my specialism. However, I'm happy to recommend you to someone who is or does or has expertise in that area. And the number of times that comes back to me with reciprocity or payback is is amazing We are all in the same community. There must be people who would be willing to help you and people whom you could help in return. Think about those connections. Think about how to approach them in such a way that it's an easy win-win. The last thing today is to create content. Now, you don't need me to tell you that this podcast is a form of content. Articles are a form of content. Case studies, posts, articles are a form of content, whether online articles or in magazines. I've done both. Or blog posts on my platform or someone else's platform. I've done both. You have too, I'm sure. What are the ways to get content out there, visual, you know, auditory, or something else? Can you send people things physically through the mail? That's a great thing to do. Lumpy mail, we call that, where you send people a copy of your book or a copy of something that... Uh, makes them go, wow, that's different? Or is it virtual content like videos on LinkedIn or your own website or Udemy or Skillshare, loads of platforms where you can create content, or maybe guest blog posts, plenty of you know blogs you could approach and say, can I submit an article on a topic? Quite a few guests on the show over the years have been members of Forbes Council, as an example, or they're contributors to some business magazine, maybe that's something you could do. You could get yourself um, some kind of gig where you provide content to some platform, but people then see a link back to your website, a do, what's called a do-follow link, and they click on that, or they link in the footnote to your website and your lead form, and they contact you, or your LinkedIn profile is what comes up, So think of ways that you can share content and the more content in the right channels with the right frequency, the more that becomes um, really valuable. And there's a bunch of reasons to do with search engine optimization that um, are interesting. When, for example, you are writing for high quality blogs and have what's called a do follow link, then that actually boosts your own website's ranking, which is quite interesting. So that's a bit scientific. We'll not go into that today. That will be the subject of a future episode in the near future. Uh, But just think of it, what kind of content can you create? Whether it's a a cheat sheet, some kind of guide, some kind of PDF, um, a quiz, is it a case study, a blog post, an article, a three-part or seven-part or five-part email course? You know, using ConvertKit. There are so many ways to get content out there. Not everyone consumes content at the same time or in the same place or in the same way, but that content lays a trail of breadcrumbs. And just someday, something that you've done maybe weeks or months or even years ago reminds people of you and what you do and how you can help people like them. And that generates a lead. So that's a key way to generate leads, to create content, and of course then to measure the efficacy or effectiveness of that content and create more of that content. There is an argument that you can outsource that content writing to other people. There are people who will work for you as a, a writer, a ghost writer, or a content writer. I've tried that, and I don't think it captures the voice. At the very minimum, you should ensure that your voice is coming through your content because people will know when it's not. It's just bland, it's ineffective, unhelpful, and just quite simply uninteresting. So even if you want to work with other people as writers, you need to ensure that your voice still shines through, your IP, your intellectual property, your methodology. It needs to be interesting and and sound like you and gives people that feeling of connection to you, whether it's a case study or something else that needs to come from you in terms of the ideas and the insights and the inspiration. Something else which crops to mind or jumps to mind here before we wrap up today is another interview with a recent guest, Melody Wilding. You might want to go back and listen to that one. And she mentioned a service called Harrow, which stands for Help a Reporter Out. Harrow, H-A-R-O, Help a Reporter Out. Not many people know about this. Maybe you do. And it's a site where people list, um, requests from journalists who are looking for content they can use in their blogs or their magazines or something else. They're not all journalists. And sometimes I've found the people I come across aren't readily identifiable on LinkedIn. I, t- I, well, I would typically want to know who is this person, which blog is it. But sometimes people will say, you, you may not know, but you will know eventually when Google indexes your site higher up in listings because there's a strong link pointing from a reputable publication back to your website. And that, to me, is the payoff here. When someone quotes you in a newspaper or article online or in print, that builds your credibility. And Melody Wilding talked about how she spent months doing that as a priority. Giving some kind of answer to some kind of question for some article or something that someone was writing and leading then as an expert in that area. What happened? She began to be asked to events and asked to appear on other people's shows or platforms and so on. And that's led to a lot of client work. So what we've covered today are seven key ways for you to generate leads. One more time from the top, specialize in a specific niche, listen to Jessica Chan's episode, develop a strong online presence, listen to Lorraine Kay Lee and Diana YK Chan, their episodes, offer free workshops or webinars, listen to Dave Crenshaw's episode, network at industry events and conferences, listen perhaps to the episode with Grant Baldwin a couple of weeks ago. It's now May the 3rd. Leverage existing client relationships for referrals. Perhaps Christopher Littlefield's episode will help you with that one. He talks about moving to the Middle East and using relationships there to get in the door of companies. Collaborate, number six, with other professionals or companies in related fields. That's Olivia Schofield, her episode, all about spectacular speaking in Berlin, that event that they run with other trainers. And lastly, number seven, create and share valuable content such as articles, books, case studies, blog posts, and so on. And you might want to listen to Melody Wilding's episode specifically about Harrow. Well, that's it. If you can do one or more or some of those key things to generate leads from your business, I think you'll be off to a winning start. That's it for this week's episode of the show. I'm sure you've got questions, by all means share them. And if you can think of questions you want to ask me, you can reach out via via mark at trainingbusiness.com. My thanks to you for listening. Please recommend the show to other people just like us and please click on follow or subscribe to be notified of great episodes. There is of course a fresh episode next Thursday. Until then, keep going, keep selling, keep believing in yourself. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.